This is Sun Creek Radio, where your spirit comes to shine. And now, here's your host, Steve Lindbergh. Hey, we're here with Pastor Milton today, and I want to thank everybody for being here on Sun Creek Radio. We have a couple of uh, good topics to ask Milton about today, and today's, first of all, today's your anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. How, how many is that? We are celebrating 55 years today. Wow, wow. What, what's, what's your secret? Uh, people always ask us that question, and I think maybe our secret is that we have a great sense of humor. We don't take ourselves too, too seriously. And I think that our marriage is secure because it's always been centered in the church uh-huh. and in God and Christ. That's great advice. Yeah. So you've been married 55 years. How long have you been in the ministry? I've been in the ministry about 57 years now. So I was ordained two years before I got married. Did you guys meet through church or we through actually, the... We met through church at the Wesley Foundation. That's a uh, the Methodist presence on a college campus. And we, in Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And back then it was a real little small school. It's, it was a college then, it wasn't a university. And it was in a home. It was, the church had purchased this small white frame home and converted it into some classrooms and on the front porch at a ping pong table and the students just hung out there, you know, and we, we met each other there. Wow. Uh, so were you working and she was going to college there? Or we how? were both going to school and we were both students and we were just hanging out at the Wesley foundation and got to know each other over the years. And, um, oddly enough, we, uh, there are about six couples that married out of that group. And we have no stayed, way, all about the same age as all you All about the same age, and all of their marriages are intact. The only ones that the marriages ended is through death, not through divorce. I find that interesting. And over all these years, we still get together once or twice a year in Shreveport. Really? So do you have your next plan to get together? We will probably be getting together with them sometime in September. That's usually when we get together. And then another time, a couple of them come, they drive in here for an auto show, antique car show, and we get together with them. And so there are about six or seven of us that get together. But in September, there'll be 15 or 20 of the original 40-plus who were at the Wesley Foundation. Wow, that's that's like a class reunion in a way. It, well, for us, it's different, it is. but yeah. It is. I don't go to the college reunions. They're kind of... I find them a little bit big and impersonal, but this is just good friends getting together, and we usually get together on Friday, Saturday, and we have to leave because I get back for church, and then they go to church usually on Sunday morning in Shreveport somewhere. Even though the school was in Natchitoches, we, we don't, there's not enough uh, drawing you there in terms of good restaurants and uh, nice places to stay, so we, we go to Shreveport just a few miles north. Well, that's, a, that's a neat group. That's a great story. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people would love to have a story like that, <laughs> that they have friends that all got married that all met through church. Yep. And uh, we keep up with each other. We talk to each other on the phone through, you know, through the months and Christmas cards and all those kind of things. 
Good. So 57 years in the ministry. So you've been in Louisiana and Texas? I started in Louisiana and then transferred uh, actually to pursue an advanced degree at Southern Methodist University. So I transferred into the North Texas Conference in 1972. And if you're doing your math, 64 is when I was ordained. Okay. So I had about 12 years in Louisiana and then from 72 to the present in this conference. So have you been at Sun Creek as long as any other church that you've been at? Uh, This is the second. The longest was First Church Allen. I was there 11 years. Oh. And I'm um, I'm in my uh, ninth year here. So you know Allen. <laughs> yeah, we, 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, we, we, we moved out of Allen when I became a district superintendent and, uh, you know, was no longer serving a local church, but we kept our home, leased it for five years. And then when I retired, which was the plan to retire out of the superintendency and just come back here. And I didn't have a plan to be in a church, but the year, the year before I was to retire, this church called and asked if they knew a part-time um, pastor, maybe a retired pastor that might want to come and serve on the uh, church. And I thought about it, and I thought, I could retire a year earlier and come here, and that's what I did. So you said, here I come. They <laughs> called, and you said, here I come. Huh? Yeah, and I was responsible for making the appointments to this church, so technically I appointed myself here, which uh, is kind of unusual. <laughs> I bet. But I liked it. It seems to have worked. Yeah, right, right. So great. So, hey, I have a topic or a question I want to ask you. Uh, why would someone consider being a Methodist? You know, down through the years as I've talked to people, this is the kind of the common thread I hear in the Methodist Church. I like the Methodist Church because it is so open. It, it was so welcoming to me and friendly. And we just felt like everyone in the church was open to us and that we were not treated like outsiders. Uh, about a little almost 20 years ago, the Methodist Church adopted a motto. You've probably heard it. Uh, open hearts, open minds, open doors. Um, I think that motto really came out of the, uh, the, the true background of who Methodists have always been. We've always been a church open to people. Um, let me give you an example. The founder of Methodism, his name was John Wesley, and he lived um, in the 1700s, so that's a long time ago. But one of his great sayings was this, we don't all have to think alike. We just have to love alike. And I would think that kind of characterizes a Methodist church. The people who come here don't always think alike. But we love each other so much that it doesn't matter if we don't think alike. And it's that openness that I think has uh, attracted many people um, who either never have been to church, we call those the unchurched, or those who dropped out of church um, of another denomination usually, and they find the Methodist church, and we call those the once churched. And that seems to be uh, that group of people, the once churched, that's a large number of people who joined the United Methodist Church. And I believe it's because of the uh, openness. I think there's a second factor, and this is what people have told me, and I, I think they're right. They say, what I like about the Methodist Church is you all 
talk about guilt. Uh, <laughs> you talk about grace, not guilt. All the churches I've experienced that feel guilty most of the time, and I'm told all the things I'm not supposed to do. And in the Methodist church, uh, you talk about God loving us and wanting only the best for us and about God's grace. Uh, and I think that is true, that the Methodist church is a church. Um, we certainly don't have a corner on the market of God's grace, but I think that's our principal emphasis, that we are a grace-filled and a grace-preaching uh, church, and that's how we act toward people. Uh, if you need a definition of grace, I always like, and it's an, an acronym for grace, it's this, God really loves and accepts us all, G-R-A-C-E. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if I invented that or not, but I believe I did. Um, and that kind of sense of being uh, received and accepted, um, the founding, one of the early pastors, not the founding pastor of this church, put it this way. She would say, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's a good example of what grace means, too. So do you think other, if other denominations or people from other denominations are listening to you, would they say, well, we're open at our church? What, is he trying to say that we're closed? Or I is would, he saying that Methodists are more open? I think we might want to say we're more open. We surely don't want to characterize any church as being closed. But let me give you a good example. Um, there are some denominations where if uh, you are a woman and you want to be in the ministry— that opportunity is closed to you. Um, if you don't have a real uh, thoroughbred education and you want to uh, be a minister, that avenue of going into the ministry is closed to you. But in the Methodist Church, we have ways for people who have just a college education who can serve as a pastor. They're called local pastors, and they're under the watchful eye of those of us who are ordained ministers, but they function, I would call it, like a physician's assistant. They do virtually everything we do, but always under the supervision of an elder. So the Methodist Church just provides so many ways of being open to people. Um, maybe the most graphic story I like of openness, and I have no uh, history of how this really started. I know that it started, is alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous started in the basement of a Methodist church. Now think about this. Imagine someone, a layperson, knocking on the door of a pastor's study saying, I have a group of drunks and we'd like to meet in the basement tomorrow night and we're going to drink coffee and smoke a lot. Do you think that'll be okay? And that pastor said yes. And that's just, I think, who Methodists are. We tend to, we try to say yes before we say no. Um, we try not to start things. Well, no, I don't think we can do that. We're a yes kind of church. We want to do that. So I, I've been a member of the Methodist Church for many years. I, I don't know if I would count as once churched. I used to be Lutheran, <laughs> and then many years switched. Many years ago, switched to Methodist, just straight from the Lutheran Church. There was no break there. Yeah. But we did it largely for our kids and the youth groups and the. The Methodist Church was just doing a better job than what our local church was doing previously, and we thought it would be a, a good place for our kids to go. But So the the unchurched and the once-churched, I meet a lot of once-churched people here. Are there many unchurched people, and 
how, how do we attract more unchurched people? Well, unfortunately, there's a growing number of unchurched people. I mean, in Allen, Texas today, uh, on average on Sunday morning, uh, about 60% of uh, the families in Allen, Texas do not go to church. So that's a pretty large unchurched. So 40% are that. That, that's probably higher than the national average. Oh, much higher than the yeah. national average if we want to really get excited about What would about be it. a national average? National like... average is around 30%. Okay. So about one in three persons. So 60% aren't going pretty much at all. Maybe church and Easter or Christmas and Easter. Christmas, I mean. Easter, and Mother's Day. Those seem to be the three big times that that 60% and they hit and miss. They don't, very few of them make all three even, but. They'll uh, be excited if they got one of those three. Uh, so I guess you hope they come to our Christmas service and you grab them there or, or hope that they come back. We make a strong, intentional effort at those three times, uh, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day, to try to provide a strong welcome to families. Uh, in our church, for example, we, we provide multiple services on Christmas Eve, and that's to reach as large a number of people as possible. And we usually on Christmas Eve try to present an, um, a piece of uh, literature that says, here's what the next five weeks of sermons are going to be about. And we, we usually try to get a very kind of uh, interest grabbing kind of series of sermons. Uh, last year it was The Jesus Way that Pastor Barry took. And it really caught the imagination of a lot of people who weren't coming and they showed up because they wanted to know more about the Jesus way. At Easter, we, before the Easter, we always have on the church grounds this Easter egg hunt that we open up to the whole community, and then we let them know the times of the services. So we try to reach folks on those um, particular Sundays, because we know that's when a lot of the unchurched are thinking about going to church. And I'll tell you what we do on those days, and you, you probably, maybe you've not been aware of it, we don't say, well, we sure are glad to see you folks who only come at Easter or Christmas. You see, that's guilt stuff. We try to say, we are so glad all of you are here, and we hope you'll come back. Um, and, and I think there are unfortunately too many other places where I've heard the unchurched say, I go there and they make me feel bad for not being regular. I heard that at a different church before. Hopefully not. I hope it, it wasn't at a Methodist it church. Wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't here. And we don't want to know which one. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say, but it yeah. was, it was you in know, the, it was you know in the Dallas I, area. and Yep, and you know yeah. what we're talking about, right? I mean, oh, yeah. So, and the people who were with us were probably, I would consider, once churched, yeah. but hadn't been attending for yeah. many years, mm-hmm. and they were offended and angry about it. I think they had a right to be. Um, we're not set on this earth to judge other people. And I think Jesus made that very, very clear. We're not called upon to judge other people. We're supposed to leave that to God. We're supposed to love each other. That's what Jesus called us to do. Love as he loved. And when, when you look at the life of Jesus, he, he never did guilt anybody or tell them they were terrible, bad people. He always welcomed them and asked them to come and follow him. Um, I think that's what we have to be doing in the church. Um, and just again to follow up, I don't think the Methodist Church has a corner on the market of that. I think every church that does that will be a growing dynamic church. But there are too many churches who, for some reason, think that, um, uh, I call it this, uh, uh, that they think that the purpose of the church might be to scare the hell out of people. 
and that makes you a better person if we get all the bad stuff out of your life. Uh, I think in the Methodist Church, our emphasis is to love the heaven in the people, to love God's grace in the people. Uh, because if you're filled with God's grace, you're not going to have room for a lot of negative things in your life. Uh, so we try to work on the very most positive things we can encourage and challenge people to do that will affirm their being and want them to say, I can do that. And, and you're telling me I'll be better if I do that? Uh, so I think that's the approach we, we ought to be taking in every denomination. And I think the Methodist Church has that as a gift that it's given to so many other churches. I think there are plenty of churches around that have decent youth programs. Would you say ours is above average? And and that's probably intentional to try to help bring families in. I, I'm, I'm guessing that. What, oh, what would you say about that? I, I think our, our, our youth program is a very, very strong, strong program, as is our children's program, as is our music program. And I think those are the, in, as I look at it, the three great strengths of this church. And if you've got a strong children's program, a strong youth program, and a strong music program, you will not only attract people, but you will attach people to the church. Those are the hooks that hold them there. They want to come back. Um, I had a family just last Sunday say, we're joining this church because our teenage daughter says, I want to go there. And says, our daughter has never gotten up on Sunday morning saying, I want to go to church. But she wants to go because of the youth program and because of our youth choir program. And that's going to bring this whole church, uh, family into our church. Now, I think, at least in our experience, we felt like it would be hard to move to the next community over because our kids were involved in this church youth group and knew the kids from school and from church and in the neighborhood. It was, it was an easy place to live and an easy way to encourage your kids to continue going to church when they knew so many kids and enjoyed the youth program. Yeah, I think that affinity, you know, that's what you're talking about, is very, very important. But we have to be careful that our youth program is not an extension of Allen High School. We, we don't do a lot of rah-rah Allen High School banners and all because we're reaching kids from Plano and McKinney. Yeah, uh, Frisco. Frisco, and, yeah. uh, Lucas, or the Lovejoy School District. So we're very intentional in the Sunday morning, Sunday evening approach uh, not to have it all about one school system. So kids could move in and out and, and feel like they're welcomed. Notice again, we want to be open. We, we don't want to create a, um, an Allen High School closed meeting concept. Um, and I'm not saying other churches do that, but I have been in other churches where I've seen um, the high school banners kind of pasted all over the walls. And I thought, well, what would I feel like if I were a student coming from another school district going into that youth program. I think I'd feel a little off-put and feel like maybe I don't belong here. That's a good point. So there's a lot of intentionality behind the scenes that we don't see to make sure people are comfortable and feel welcome and, and loved. But what about the music program? I think in some churches that can kind of click up or there can be clicks in the music program. Are, are we intentional about anything there? Well, the big intentionality in our music program is the variety in it. It's something for almost anybody. We have a children's music program, and we have a youth program. Now, 
um, those two programs, um, and I'm not a musician, so I mean pretty far out of my field, but they're not in some kind of a narrow scaped um, repertoire of music that they do. They don't only, they don't do like music out of one songbook, but there's a great variety of music, which the music people tell me that keeps the kids and the children interested. It's not the same kind of song over and over again. Um, that's true with our adult choir as well. And then if you think, we have a, a praise band at the 940 service. Our youth choir sings at the 815 service. The chancel choir at the 11 o'clock service. And then we have all these ensembles. We have a flute ensemble. We have a ukulele choir, which not too many churches can sport one of those things. Um, and we have all kinds of other ensembles. We have one family that's just an ensemble of, of a cello and a bassoon and other instruments, and they just present beautiful, beautiful music. So um, the key here is, again, the, we're not going to please everybody every day with what we've done. But in this church, I think our church appreciates how, how wide and what great variety we have in, in the musical program. And, and I've just touched the tip of it. There's probably, if you had our music directors here, they could say, oh, but they're also this, this, and this uh, uh, in the music program. So once again, we are open. Notice that open word again. We're open to virtually all forms of music here in this church. We don't think it's gonna, music's going to only be communicated if it was written by some old dead German like Bach, you know. Uh, and, and I like Bach, but... <laughs> We can't just count on, on the old classics. And one thing I'm hoping with the podcast is that people will push this out to their sister in Minnesota and their cousin in Plano and their good friend in Frisco or wherever. And maybe if they were once church and aren't attending, they could listen to this and hear some of your thoughts on being a Methodist and why someone would consider it. And, and I think the openness, um, the, the, I love the grace God really loves and accepts us all. Mm -hmm. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think you got it. <laughs> okay. So open hearts, open minds, open doors. I think those are all great, simple ways for someone to think, hey, if I'm once churched or unchurched, this might be a place that we should check out, whether it be in this community or a Methodist church in, a, in another community. I would like to hope and believe that if you went to a Methodist church, you would find open hearts, open minds, and open doors, and that you would feel you were at home as soon as you got there. And the Methodist churches all over the country, are there, is there an area where it's, there aren't as many Methodist churches? Uh, um, I'm sure there are areas like the Dallas area where there's probably a little bit more than normal, but are, are pretty much anybody across the country could easily find a Methodist church, I would think, right? I believe you'll find a Methodist church virtually in any community. Um, in the United States of America. Now, in some areas, they won't be as uh, plentiful as here in the, in the Dallas area. Um, there's even a greater growth of Methodists as you move to the southeast, to um, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, um, uh, Tennessee. That's the hotbed of Methodism. Now, as you move further west, Almost by nature, things are spread out a little bit. And uh, I jokingly would tell you, you probably don't have that many Methodist churches in Utah, for example. Um, that seems to be covered by the Mormons fairly well. 
But there are Methodist churches there, and I think if you went there, you'd find open hearts, open minds, and open doors, and maybe more so because they know that they've got to be very intentional about bringing folks in. Uh, so you're going to find a Methodist church virtually at every crossroads in America. Good. Well, I'm going to close this down here. So, Milton, thank you so much for being with us today, and thanks, everybody, for listening to Sun Creek Radio. And I want to have a special thank you for uh, Daniel being here to help us out today as our producer. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. This is Sun Creek Radio, where your spirit comes to shine. Thank you for joining us today.